Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I have with me Anthony Maluski. He's an investing veteran and chairman of Nickel 28. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Jason. Cool. And today we're going to talk about how to wisely invest in your future, which I'm sure a lot of people want to learn about, right? Because uh, especially with the downturn of the stock market during the pandemic and inflation and all sorts of craziness happening, um, I definitely want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we'll get to that is um, probably the everyone keeps saying it's the time to build generational wealth, right? What are your thoughts on the state of things today and how people can build that generational wealth that we keep hearing about in the news? Yeah. So, I mean, I think um, slow and steady wins the race. You know, if you look at the last few years, one of the features of the market, at least among new investors, has been, you know, chasing crypto. And, and look, that's that's fine if you remembered to sell and, and took gains on the way up. But I think a lot of people didn't do that. But, you know, I think the, the proven way, if you're just the average person, you know, punching the clock nine to five, making a living, is dollar cost averaging into the S&P 500 index fund, low cost index fund, reinvested dividends. You do that every month, every month on the dot, the first, the 15th, whatever works for you. And you do that for 30 years. I, I mean, look, there are other ways. You know, you're always going to meet the person who, who um, you know, did this thing or that thing. They bought a coin. They did this. That's all fine and well, but if you want to talk about retiring, you want to talk about giving money to your kids, uh, it is nearly impossible to beat that strategy. There are people who have done it, no question, but you want to talk about the average, I think that's really the way to go. You know, Roth, Roth IRAs and retirement accounts where you can put in you know, 250 a month or something, something small, but it's consistent. And then that compound interest over 30 years will allow you to retire. And I've been doing that for, for almost like I think two decades now. Um, so speaking of nickels and dimes and quarters, how did you get into battery metals for your nickel 28 company? I'm curious, like where did that come from? And I did notice yeah. Elon Musk's partner started a whole business around uh, stripping down recycle, uh, recycling material from batteries to do batteries for cars and other. He's trying to help the industry, right? So, like, is that what you're doing as well? Well, you know, I spent my career as a professional investor, and you know, one of the things that that I would say is I'm a thematic investor, and so um, you know, that's kind of catching on to big, big ideas, big transitions, big moves in markets, and. You know, maybe it's been seven years ago now we started thinking about this global energy transition, which not only includes uh, vehicles, but it also includes things like grid level storage for your house. Um, you know, an example could be a new development and all the houses are connected through solar with a single battery. And that battery, lead acid battery, will provide, you know, power back to the grid and to the development. So there were a bunch of things going on. You know, the copper needed for um, the development of the infrastructure inside of the U.S. and Canada. So, you know, I was thinking about what were ways to play that. And what struck me was um, nickel and cobalt. Because remember, we also produce cobalt. We're really critical component, components of a certain type of battery, the battery that goes in cars primarily. And so that it was a way to play that. And, you know, there are a lot of different ways that someone could have played that through this time period. But that's kind of what, what we thought was most interesting. It makes sense to me. I mean, smartphones need batteries. Cars need batteries. A lot of things need batteries. Uh, people don't even realize where the nickel and cobalt is going, but all the stuff that's being thrown out and then is being recycled by companies like yours 
to, you know, because we, we can't keep mining these materials, right? They're talking about going to space to get an asteroid to, or, or going on the moon to mine. What do you think about like space mining to try to get the, the stuff we need? I mean, we're still going to have to do it on Earth, but I mean, apparently we're not, the resources are kind of running thin, apparently. Well, right? well here's what I would say. I, you know, it's not that it's running thin, it's the grades are de- declining. So, you know, maybe 100 years ago, you were chasing uh, an ore body that was 10, 12, 14% of copper, whatever the, you know, yeah. and today maybe you're chasing 1% copper. Ooh. So what, what's happening is it means you have to move more dirt is what, kind of the way you have to think about it. So that means you have to move X times more dirt. So it becomes much more expensive. So it's a little bit kind of, we're not necessarily running out. It's that we're chasing much lower grades, which means it's much more expensive to uh, mine and come up with these materials. What does that mean? It means that all these things, notwithstanding a market sell-off, you know, as we speak today, but you know, if we talk about this world in five and ten-year increments, this stuff will all just cost quite a bit more. And you know, one of the interesting things to point out is, from discovery of the first hole in the ground until a mine is built, it's a minimum of fourteen years. Wow! And by the way, it could be it that's could a be long time. Years, right? That's, that's a long time. Because <laughs> you, you you drill the hole. <laughs> you drill a second hole and a fifth Jesus. hole and a ten hole. And, and, and by the way, once you finally know something's there, you have this massive permitting process. And so oh, um, that sounds have, like a nightmare, man. It is a nightmare. <laughs> look, look, you know what? Mark like, uh, like there's a lot of funny, there's a lot of funny kind of uh, uh, anecdotes around mining, but it is a tough business. And it's also the business that really fuels everything in the room you're in. Think about it. Look around your room right now. Everything there is... Even this microphone. Right? On some basic... This microphone has some sort of metal in it. So do you think it's smart for people to invest in metals like gold and silver and nickel and cobalt and copper and whatnot? I mean, is that that something they should be doing? Well, it it just depends. First of all, I think it depends on how much money you have. But the majority of your, in my view, the majority of um, disposable investable income should really go into like some really safe strategy, you know? Okay. Like, well, look, give me the, give me the top three points to that strategy. Well, look, the, the strategy for me is uh, index funds capture the market moves and through time, you know, that S and P 500 strategy, I think is the best strategy for your average person to implement low cost for a thir- for a 30 year hundred for dollar cost averaging, which means you're buying all the way down, all the way up. Like that is the winning strategy. Now, at some moment, if you have enough disposable income uh, and it's not going to change the way you live your life, because you shouldn't be doing this as like the lottery ticket to pay for your new house or something, because the rest right. is gambling. But if you're doing this, you have some disposable income, you want to take risks. And I, I suggest um, investing in things that you know. And, you know, maybe you know that every single one of your friends is buying a Tesla. Maybe that's something you know. Uh, maybe you know that all your kids are buying Lululemon or watch Disney or what, you know. I think that people are very successful when they are investing in things that they know. So catching now, trend, it sounds like you're talking about catching trends. So like we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? And 2020 hit and we didn't know, I mean, at least I didn't realize I should be buying Zoom stock and Disney for Disney Plus and, you know, this stock and that stock because these companies all of a sudden just took off because of the pandemic. Like how do you catch those trends? Because you're saying well, I mean, you're, I mean, you're, that's you're talking about being a professional investor, then, because you know, <laughs> like I said, most of the money should be in these index funds. But so like S and P S and P five hundred. But like, let's yeah. say every month you're earning some. Say you're you're a landlord. You have some rental income. You have an extra thousand bucks a month. You're saying that extra money is not going to kill you because you're not spending it on anything. 
you would do something else with it. You'd- well, well then, then it comes down to you as an individual. So if you were sitting on your third Zoom call and you said, wow, this Zoom thing's really going to happen, um, maybe I should go look at buying some stock in this. I mean, that, that's kind of the idea is, you know, and I think that's where the best investment ideas come from. For your do, your own, do your own research. Well, it, it, it should be some epiphany around, around the things that you use and a realization that if we take Zoom as an example, by the way, I didn't buy the Zoom stock either. Like I didn't, yeah. I, just didn't, it didn't I didn't really fully appreciate. But, but what I did do is I bought the S&P, you know, pretty close to the bottom because I just thought, hey, look, these companies, you know, are going to take off. Away. Yeah. yeah. And, and like the horizon has to be multiple years on that because, you know, as we speak right now, I think the S&P is down again today and it mm-hmm. uh, might be down again tomorrow. So, But in 10 uh, years. In, in 10 years, exactly. So that is something very different. And uh, for me, like when I thought about Tesla and this transition, you know, I, in my mind, because remember, this is seven years ago, I didn't really know, okay, is it going to be one of these Chinese companies? Is it going to be a Ford or a Tesla? Who's going to win that race? Like, I didn't really right. have a view. And so I started looking at the components. I bought um, uh, some chip makers at the time thinking, you know, uh, an electric vehicle is comprised of over computer Computer chips, yeah. Yeah, and that was and, and now there's a, now there's a supply issue, supply chain issue with the chips, right? There's a shortage. So did that make the prices of the stock go up? Oh, they went up dramatically. So Days I personally are... bought chip makers at the time and basic materials because I'm like, you know, no matter what, no matter who the winner is of this race, every single one of these automobiles is going to have nickel and cobalt and copper in it, right? That so was that smart. was my way of thinking about it. And I think that's really a good framework for people to think about investing in general is you know, when you kind of come into something that you it's impacts your daily life and it's part of what you do, you know, you think, okay, this is going to be big. And, I mean, those are the ideas that work for individuals. They're risky, of course, but you know something about it. And I think that's a much smarter way than um, going and chasing Dogecoin when you don't right. know anything about it. Now, if you sit there and you study it and you think you have an edge, that's different. But um, you know, oh, well, let's just be let's just be clear. There was no studying Dogecoin. It was never meant to be worth anything. I, I happened to be in crypto since 2013. I mined Dogecoin back then, and it was always meant to be a meme. It was never meant to be any value. Elon made it take off, and that's what happened with it. So if you got lucky to, like you said, buy the bottom and sell at the top, then you became a millionaire. If you bought at the bottom and didn't sell the to- or bought at the top and didn't sell and lost your money, so we're, yeah, that's that's a tough one. Um, it sounds well, like we I should... actually think, I think you just said something that's really important that, that I think a whole generation of investors is going to learn. Um, you know, you never lost money selling at a gain. And, right. you know, sometimes, you know, you buy a stock for dollars at $10 on its way to 50. Well, guess what? Be happy when you sold it at 10. Profits, you know, profit. Two, two, yeah, there's liquidity on its way up. There's always liquidity. How many people are sitting out there now on these coins that they all went to, you know, Zero, whatever yeah. they went to and they're, now, now they're all the way, they did this round trip. And so, I think it's important too, especially, you know, not, not inside of like your S&P portfolio, but inside of the speculative portfolio, let's talk about. I think it's important to remember if, if what you have is up, you know, sell it. Like what, why are you emotionally attached? Because if you sit there and wait. It's FOMO. Um, it's it's yeah. all the FOMO, man. It's like, well, you know, I saw, you know, Ethereum go from 80 bucks to 4,000. I didn't sell it because people are saying on Twitter, it's going to go to 10,000, but they probably don't realize that that means, yes, it might go to 10,000 in the next cycle, like 2025 or whatnot, when it goes to POS, proof of stake. But the, the, the fact of the matter is these people are also listening to influencers on YouTube, right? And these people are just pushing, you know, garbage, uh, strategies, which you shouldn't be. Again, 
do your own research. And we should probably both mention none, nothing in this episode is financial advice. Yeah, of course not. And, and, but that, and that, that's exactly my point about the speculative investing is you should really be investing in these things which touch your life that you think are interesting, are going to be important in some way or another. And, and that's really where I've had the most success is like kind of these epiphanies around, you know, like I didn't have the Zoom epiphany, unfortunately. But uh, you had the metal one. And I think we should have had our episode back then. So I could have jumped into that. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, it's not a great time to be buying today because I'll tell you um, the commodity markets are selling off in a big way just because of hike in rates and, and yeah. uh, the Chinese lockdown. So you know, look, things are looking a little bit rough here for the next um, probably six to 18 months. So what can people do to solidify their financial future for the next six to 18 months and going forward from there? So if it were me, I, I personally uh, would not be putting on speculative bets. Even if I like companies, I might be making a list of companies I like um, because it's much easier. And this is just a more of a general strategy um, after the thing has started to move up five, six, seven, ten percent to just buy into that and give up 10 percent, because I think there's you know still more down a lot of more downside in the market. Uh, especially if it trades sideways now for a couple of years. So I think one strategy is just stay in cash. Yeah, you're losing kind of 7 to 8.5% to inflation, but that's better than losing 30% to the market. So staying in cash is one option. If you have a longer view and you genuinely know you have a longer view, I think you know dollar cost averaging into something like the S&P still makes sense. Um, you know, An index of tech stocks could still make sense, but I think you have to really be certain that you don't need that money for five, 10 years. Uh, but in terms of like speculative plays, uh, I'm not sure that you need to buy any at this time. You know, I you, think there's still a lot of downside risk. You talked about crypto a little bit and you know, the, the elephant in the room is Bitcoin, right? And a lot of people were calling it to go to 100 to 150,000 last year. didn't quite make it hit half of that, but they're saying, okay, now it's next cycle, which the having 2024, they're saying 2025, it'll hit those numbers. What are your thoughts on long-term strategy? Like say somebody bought Bitcoin at 60,000 last year by accident, or they they thought it was going to keep going. They thought that, and now it's down to 20. They lost a, a big chunk, but they're thinking, oh, but I'm going to hold it till the next cycle. What are your thoughts? So I got okay, specifically, I've, I've like, as I said, I'm definitely not, I've not traded crypto. I've not made money or lost money in crypto, but just more, if you just talk about you know, it, it depends on that individual's duration. Like if they have the view, let's just talk more generically because I, like I said, I'm not a Bitcoin. Um, right. Follower, but if, if you bought something at 60 and it's sitting at 20 today, you don't need that money and you don't have a better investment opportunity because remember, you can still sell it and do something else with it and make it back up potentially. Uh, but if you really felt that in 2025, it's going to 150, that was your number, I think. Um, yeah, you could hold that, right? I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a sensible strategy if you don't have, alternative for that capital where you can make back that gain and more and so that's what you have to weigh it against and that, and that um, works for any stock right that, I mean, that it's just a general strategy and i would say like even as it's just more as a speculator having never owned bitcoin like i was thinking man if this thing goes to five thousand i'm gonna buy some you know like i, I don't well, know the number, yeah right? because because it could go to five hundred thousand in a couple of years and you'll be kicking yourself well i don't think it's going to zero i mean i think i think that the mass adoption of crypto is happening i i, I kind of liken it and maybe incorrectly i'm just really really a specul uh uh you know someone sitting on the sidelines with this but um i i see this as like the tech bubble right when pet.com all these things blew up and by the way what emerges amazon.com amazon. emerges and apple yeah. you know and then how many other tech companies you know i'm confident that inside of this 
ecosystem of, of currencies and companies and ideas, there's going to be huge, massive winners. Of course. And, and most of the other ones will probably be losers, right? Like, of course. So, and, and I don't really have any insight into which ones those are going to be, but I, I really liken it onto that kind of initial tech boom uh, 20 years ago or whatever it was. Awesome. I feel the same way. Awesome, Anthony. Thank you so much, man. Where can people find out more about your company and what you do? I think Twitter's the best place. Just find me on Twitter. I tweet a lot about markets and, and uh, always happy to interact with people there. Cool. What's your handle? A, a underscore Maluski. Cool. I'll tag you in the description. And as always, hope everyone enjoyed the episode and we'll see you in the next one. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you in next week's episode.